Ladies and germs, welcome to the Health and Wealth Podcast, where true health is your health. I think I got it right this time. I interviewed Dr. Kevin Reese, amazing guy. This was kind of a long time in the works. I've been following his work for a couple of months now, maybe even a year. Amazing guy. He is all about healing people and finding the root cause of your illnesses. We talk a lot about the medical monopoly, the problems with traditional medicine, and what it takes to be truly healthy. Kevin, I cannot thank you enough for doing this interview. Guys, this is such a good interview. Please check it out if you have any health issues. We talk about his three macro methods to achieve health. You're going to love this one. Have a good day, guys. Mentioned in your book, at 28, you were 80 pounds overweight and you had a heart attack scare? Yeah. Walk me through that. Yeah, so I was a radio personality and I was trying to make it in show business and I was living a fast-paced, high-pressure life and obviously I let food take advantage of me (laughs) (laughs) and I was a smoker, you know, and... One day, I just thought I was having a heart attack. So I went to the emergency room, did the whole shebang, ended up in the medical monopoly for months and months. And it was just an epiphany. It was a huge epiphany that these people, outside of stabilizing you and saving your life, they got no answers. And that was scary. That was scary to me. And being a control freak, I guess, I decided to take control. And that's when I started studying and figuring it out on my own. And I figured it out. And I reversed my stuff and became passionate about it and started helping people at the radio station. And then I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. I like teaching and coaching about health rather than going on the radio and acting a fool. Because <laughs> that's what you do when you're on FM radio. You'll do anything for the giggle. You do, you'll do anything for the rating. You'll, you'll dance. You'll do all that. It's clown world. No disrespect to my friends on radio. It's clown world, man. And I was, I was done being a clown. And health found me. I mean, the health business found me. I didn't find it. And I I went to coaching school and I was off and running. And eventually I quit radio and started taking clients and I was off and running and then eventually got a doctorate. Boom. Was there a moment when you were in what you call the carousel of frustration or medical monopoly where someone said something or something changed where you're like, I got to get off this carousel? I kept telling my doctor, my primary, that something's wrong because even when I started exercising, I would have this interesting pain where my heart rate would go up and then I'd get these chest pains like a tightness. It bring me to my knees sometimes. 
I'd be like, oh my gosh, what? But all the tests say I'm not having a heart attack. So I'm questioning the doctor constantly. And doctors don't like to be questioned. And one day he looks at me and he says, do we really have to open your chest just to find out? And that, that was big for me. It, it was kind of like, a, well, he doesn't know. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and he's just going through the motions. And after 15 minutes with me, he's going to 15 minutes with someone else. And, you know, these, these medical doctors, they're stressed out. And, you know, they, they commit suicide at rapid rates. And you know, it's not, not a good business to be in. Was it a tone of sarcasm from him? Yeah. Almost like dismissing you, like, listen, guy, just get out of here because you're fine. You're wasting my time. Yep. Okay. I'd be like, and then another time I was like, my knees hurt, this and that and the other. And he'd be like, okay, well, what are you doing? I'd be like, well, I'm doing box jumps at the gym. And he'd be like, okay, well, stop doing it. I'm like, just stop doing it. He's like, yeah, if it hurts, stop doing it. And I'm like, bruh, you went to 10 years of medical school to say that? Yeah, I know. What stupid advice. <laughs> and so, yeah, from a common sense perspective, it makes sense. But there's no explanation. And that's why my style of being a health practitioner is explanation. So on my live streams on Tuesday, when people show up and they ask me questions, I don't give advice. I give explanation. And that's my style is to give explanation because I know that the medical system isn't giving explanation. Well, what I really appreciate about your approach is you're looking for root causes because the box jumps were not the root cause of your knee pain. No. And it's not like we all suffer from too many box jumps. That's why we have knee pain. Right. So this constant search for the root cause, is this how you came about your three macro, I guess, macro pathways to health? Or what do you call them? Macro? Macro methods. Macro methods. Okay. Yeah. The Reese reversal system is the, is the name we're running with. I love it. But it's made up of the three macro methods, which are postural therapy, clinical nutrition, and mindfulness training. Now, I came up with those because I already had the nutrition and the mindfulness pretty good. And then my body started falling apart. And this is 10 years into me being a practitioner. And so there's that embarrassment factor. Of, I'm supposed to be the practitioner, but my body, I had costochondritis in the ribs. And I had terrible calf pain. I couldn't drive for a few months, dude. My mom had to drive me around 40 years old. And... I found postural therapy and I was out of pain in three weeks. Wow. And so I remember laying there on the floor because there's a lot of floor exercises and being like, wow, <laughs> wow, holy crap, what just happened? And that's when it hit me. This was the missing link. To the whole thing because I've been to the chiropractors, I've been to the physical therapy, none of it worked for me, and I noticed that it didn't work for a lot of people. But postural therapy worked like that, 
And so this huge epiphany of that's the missing piece. And then so I started writing it out. Oh, my gosh. Okay, these three have to go together. It makes sense because the musculoskeletal system is the structure. It's the vehicle. And the nutrition is the fuel to the vehicle. And the mindfulness is the, is the onboard computer. And so that takes care of the entire body. The 11 systems will work themselves out if those three are in alignment. And so I was very excited. I was like, I have to start a clinic. And then reality hit. I got to learn postural therapy. (laughs) (laughs) I went back to school at 40 years old again. Again. Very overwhelming. And And I came in fresh. And it was hard. It was so hard. It made my PhD look like kindergarten. Because maybe it's because I knew nutrition a little bit going into my PhD. I didn't know the musculoskeletal system. Very overwhelming. There's 600, over 600 muscles. 200 bones. Ligaments. Tendons. Man, I couldn't even tell you the difference between the tendon and the ligament up until that point. And so it's a whole different world. And it, I had to really study it, and I still am, really. It, it's an ongoing thing, the musculoskeletal system. Can you explain to the audience what postural therapy is? So posture is the position of your musculoskeletal system. And we can judge the posture through photos, what I call P-rays. So I get a photo of you from the front, from the back, from the, both sides. I can actually see with my trained eye your alignment. No x-ray needed. And postural therapy is getting the muscles functionable so that the bones go back into that alignment because muscles move bones. It's such a simple understanding that nobody really thinks about. So me jumping on, doing the box jumps. It was clearly a muscle issue. My muscles were pulling my knee out of alignment. And so that doctor didn't know that, right? But Mm -hmm. so postural therapy is all about doing these simple, gentle exercises to get the muscles back we just had a woman shout out to lorraine who she had such bad frozen shoulder that she couldn't wash her hair for six years so she's finally washing her hair she can lift her arms up and that's through postural therapy so in her circumstance, was it just lifestyle that resulted in a frozen shoulder? Yeah, her muscles locked her in place. Muscles are very, as you know, they're strong. And they will bully you. They will bully you. And that includes people that are jacked. In fact, being jacked could be a disadvantage. You see a lot of bodybuilders who have a really bad, they're down like this, 
because they've been doing this and their trapezius and the posture muscles underneath the trapezius locked. Now their head's down like this. They're jacked though. Now they're down like this. So the muscles can just lock you into place. Muscle memory. You know, we have to, if it's a tight muscle, we have to lengthen it. You know, if it's a short muscle, we have to lengthen it. Or if the muscle's too long, we have to tighten it. And, we, and this is all done through little exercises that look so nonchalant. They look so weak. Like doing arm circles, you know, like this. I can't, my, the wall's in the way, but <laughs> yeah. like this. You know, look at the range of motion. You're getting that shoulder socket. That range of motion is changing and then going back the other way. Something so simple can change your life. Yeah. Well, you mentioned in your book, which I, I still think about today, that you said, it's not the activity that broke your body. It's your broken body that you brought to the activity. Because you made the comparison about professional basketball players. And they make a certain movement a thousand times. Then all of a sudden they make the same movement and their hamstring blows up. So, Kobe Bryant. Yeah. That's what happened to Kobe, rest in peace. That's what happened to Kobe. Yeah. His ACL blew out. Over just a simple move that he's made a million times. So, what are non-athletes doing, like myself, that are leading to muscle imbalances? Sitting. Sitting. Okay. Yeah. In the book, I I, I call it being a computer athlete. Yep. And I'm going to write a whole book about computer athletes. So yeah, sitting, and that's what happened to me, dude. That's how all my body breakdowns happen because I'm a computer nerd. I'm, I'm a computer athlete. I've been sitting at this thing for 25 years. Video editing, writing, you know, slunched over, you know, it, you got to get, get up <laughs> or at least do some postural therapy once you get up from the computer. Sitting is the biggest culprit. That includes in a car. Some of the most imbalanced people are truck drivers, you know, tradesmen that are in odd positions. Maybe they have to crawl, crawl a lot, you know, through crawl spaces or they got to get up on roofs. Yeah, these people are in trouble. And that's why you have to do postural therapy. Same reason why we brush and floss our teeth. For our teeth, for our mouth, we need postural therapy for our muscles. So, other than physical pain, is there systemic inflammation or anything else going on with these muscle imbalances? Absolutely, because if if let's just use the knee as an example, if you know the femur and the tib fib come out of alignment. And you're walking around all weird like this when you're supposed to be like this, that friction will cause inflammation. Yeah. And then and then the brain. I just did a whole webinar on the brain, which I'm really diving into right now because we just released the protocol for Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, the whole nine yards. And 
you know, when you have cervical flexion and your head's down like this, that means your fluid isn't draining properly. And if your lymph fluid isn't draining properly from your head, that's going to change the environment, the pH of your brain. And that can cause inflammation too. So postural therapy, I, I, it's just that, again, that's why I call it a macro method. Whereas something like acupuncture or chiropractic adjustment would be a micro method. They can still help. They're healing helpers. But postural therapy is a heal all. I've seen people heal and eat like crap. You know, cheeseburgers and Doritos and still heal doing postural therapy. That's why my epiphany was, well, okay, if they can heal doing, you know, eating burgers and chips, what happens if we put them on good nutrition? Yeah. Whoa. And it makes sense because the good nutrition will take care of your muscles and your bones, the soft tissue, hard tissue. So it's quite a powerful combination. So have your views on nutrition changed since doing postural therapy? Because I know in your book you mentioned there's only four food groups that you ask people to eliminate, you don't really have a list of like, eat this, don't eat this. Yeah, the poor four foods, which is gluten, oil, fried, and fake. It covers a lot though. Yeah. It does cover a lot. But, you know, to simplify nutrition, I always tell people, just pretend you're stranded on an island. What are you eating? You're eating whatever whatever plants you can find. You're eating whatever animals you can catch. That's about where it ends. <laughs> You're not eating any gluten. Yeah. There's no wheat. Nowhere to be found. You know? So you just keep it simple. Nutrition can be so simple. It really can. Sometimes it sounds like nutrition is almost like a, a religious debate when you start talking carnivore, paleo, vegan, yeah. where people's belief systems outweigh kind of the practicality of the diet. Yeah. Diet's the new religion, man. Oh, my gosh. It sounds like your guidelines are more in terms of like the paleo diet. Like if you can't grow it, if you can't catch it, you probably shouldn't eat it. Yeah. The same kind of philosophy. Yeah, I, I should come out with a new book called The Island Diet or something. Yeah, yeah I know. Then I'd fall into the diet wars, right? Yeah, because you made a post on Instagram that sometimes the carnivore diet can work against you because it skyrockets your phosphorus levels. Yeah, there's there's not enough calcium because the way the way everything is, it's very divinely designed, everything. And we were meant to catch an animal and eat the whole animal. But for convenience purposes, and probably not to gross people out, we just got stuck on eating muscle. 
right? Ground beef is muscle. Steak is muscle. It's all muscle. Your chicken breasts, muscle. And so we left our tribal roots of eating the whole animal. If you ate the whole animal, you would get full nutrition. Mm -hmm. But if you're just eating muscle, there's not enough calcium in there. And so your phosphorus goes up, your calcium goes low. Now you got calcium issues. And it's the same thing with vegans. They're not getting enough. And so people are tipping the scales too far to the left or too far to the right. It's kind of like politics. You're too far left. You're too far. (laughs) You know, carnivores too far, right? Vegans too far left. So uh, I do recommend carnivore for a few months if someone's struggling. Okay. Or I do recommend a potential, you know, fruit feast if somebody needs it. But, this stuff shouldn't last more than 60 days. You know what I mean? Like you got to get back in the balance at some point. So what would somebody be struggling with that you would recommend the carnivore diet? Cybo. Okay. Small intestine bacterial overgrowth. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Cause you want to starve the beast and cybo pretty much comes from your, your body can't handle fiber anymore. It's fermenting. It's just going crazy. So you starve the beast, so to speak. Um, carnivore can also work very well for brain conditions. Yeah. Keto in general. I mean, carnivore is keto. I mean, you mm-hmm. take carbs out, you're going, ketones are, com- are coming, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I, I like to keep keto in there, carnivore keto, and it can, it can help. The ketones can help your brain. But again, do you stay on it? You need carbs. You need carbs. Get, eat the fruit. Eat the vegetables. Eat the potatoes. Get, you know, get that balance. You know, I, if you want to go far left or far right, sixty days is plenty. Do you find that with your clients, if they go low carb too long, their cortisol becomes raised, and it's another issue they have to deal with? Yeah, uh, we. Unless they go off the plan, you know, we make sure they get carbs. Okay. Yeah. So they're good. You know, plus we're doing the mindfulness training and that has a lot to do with your cortisol level, you know. I'd love to get into that because I I can do postural therapy. I can eat any diet in the world except vegan. But I cannot I, I love your section in the book about mindfulness training because my mind is like a bucking bronco. Have you always been mindful or is it more of a practice you developed i developed it yeah how'd you develop it a lot of work yeah it's a lot of work you know it's like climbing mount everest man it's it makes nutrition and posture look so easy you know so with me yeah i was always emotionally unstable you know if a girl said she didn't want me anymore, you know, it was a disaster, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, if 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 mom or dad criticized me, it's a disaster, you know. But with me, I just ended on a, a very deep spiritual journey. 
in 2012, I went to an ashram in New York. What's that? It's a Indian version. It's a spiritual retreat center, basically. Indian, okay. Eastern. And you know, that was the week of my 33rd birthday. And that week, everything changed. Yeah, I met a man who was in a state of higher consciousness. And I was underneath his learning tree for six days. We were actually in the same room together. This is all a happy accident. This was not planned. This is, again, divine. That's how I view it. And, you know, my life changed. And from that point on, it was mindfulness training. At the time, I didn't call it mindfulness training. It was just a spiritual journey, right? People love spiritual. And, you know, people love throwing that around. I'm spiritual, you know. And, it was, you know, I had to go to war with myself to figure everything out. It took a very long time. And then in 2018, I had some big awakenings. And that's when really everything started to change for me. And, uh, my speech slowed down. Everything slowed down. <laughs> and a year later, I started my podcast, Inner Peace with Dr. Reese, and, you know, started interviewing people about it and, and teaching people about it. And my journey is in there as well. And yeah, it's a long, it's like training to be a Jedi in Star Wars, you know. It's it's a long thing. Nobody will get mindfulness right away. Although the way I teach it, I think it's pretty simple. So maybe I, I found a way to speed it up. I don't know. We'll see. What triggered you in 2013 to go to this retreat? 2012. Oh, sorry, 2012. Oh, yeah. You were 33. Okay, that's where the three came from. I was turning 33, yeah. And I ha I turned my phone off, which is interesting because, you know, in this era, you get all the happy birthdays on Facebook, you know? Mm hmm And I avoided that. And it was so peaceful. So peaceful to know that I don't care about my birthday. It's just another day. Because, you know, on our birthdays, we're programmed to feel special. Automatically. Mm -hmm. You wake up that morning feeling different. There's no way around it unless you go through mindfulness training. And then that specialness comes down. To your question, why did I go? I had uh, a spiritual awakening six months earlier and it happened in darkness. Like I was going through something crazy had happened to me and, you know, something just happened. And when it was over, I didn't know what it was. And so I was like, I don't know what that was, but how do I get it back? And so I just started studying. It was at that point I became what they call a seeker, a spiritual seeker. And that's when the journey started. And a buddy of mine was at an ashram in California. 
So I didn't know what an ashram was. And so I Googled ashrams in my area and there was one in New York. So I said, that's where I'm going. That's how it happens. All, like I said, all divine synchronicity, man. It seems like your personality is you're a seeker of truth because your initial seeking was for health. Right. And your next was for the spirituality. And then as you're at this event or this retreat, at any point where you're like, maybe I made a mistake, this is kind of weird, or were you fully embracing it the entire time? Oh, I was fully in it. I was fully in it. Big time. It was the most life-altering week I've ever had. I mean, I drove home different. Forever changed. Can you kind of go into how you felt different? Because I discovered a man who was in a state of higher consciousness. And it's easy to talk about, but it's a whole other animal to experience. And I was chasing the brass ring of show business for so long, since I was 16 years old. So 16 to 33. And then I met a man who replaced that goal. In other words, from 16 on, I was trying to be the next Howard Stern or the next Oprah Winfrey or the next Dwayne Johnson or whoever, like a media mogul personality type, rich, famous. And then I met a man who lived out of a backpack and couldn't be shaken. Complete emotional freedom. Complete peace. Inner peace. And I wanted to know how to get it. <laughs> and so he became it wasn't the it wasn't the ashram, it was him. It was him. And it was a complete mistake. It, like I said, it was synchronicity. He he worked for the ashram doing what's called um, seva, which is the Sanskrit word for service. In other words, he was working for room and board. He was supposed to be in the staff building, but he wasn't for whatever reason. He was in the guest room. So me and him were stuck in a dorm room together for six days. <laughs> and so I was forced to go one-on-one -on -one with a man of higher consciousness. And I asked a million questions. He didn't, he wasn't, he only spoke when spoken to. He wasn't there to be my teacher or anything. He was just in the dorm room. <laughs> And I asked a million questions. Being a curious interviewer, I went into Barbara Walters mode and I asked and I asked and I asked and he answered and he answered and he answered. And then towards the end of the trip, um, he was an African-American gentleman with dreadlocks. And so at the end of the trip, 
and he said, look, I'm about to go outside because I got to do work on my hair. You know, dreadlocks are work. Would you like to join me? You, you can join me if you'd like. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I want to join you. Yes. <laughs> so I came out there and I sat there while he did his dreads. And like two, three hours of underneath the learning tree. It was awesome. Awesome. And he became my mentor. And we emailed with each other for seven years. And then he disappeared. Never seen him again. Oh, wow. So when you meet somebody with a higher consciousness, what kind of, I don't know if advice is the right word, but what kind of guidance is he giving you to help you achieve that form of consciousness? He didn't really give guidance. I would just ask a question and then he would say something like, you know, he'd go into story maybe in a way. Well, sometimes when humans blah, 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 they blah, 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 you know, or he would reference the Bible or he would reference the Quran or he would reference the Bhagavad Gita. I mean, he a man of higher consciousness isn't trapped in one religion. They know all of them. And he knew all of them. I was fascinated by it. And he, he taught me the ways of a mystic and how to navigate life and become emotionally free. That's how I describe it, emotional freedom. Because really it's our emotions that take over that makes us feel that suffering state. And so that's, I was on the quest to free myself. And he was meant to be my mentor for seven years, I guess. I think if everybody could articulate what they want, it's not that Howard Stern position. It's not the million dollars. It actually is emotional freedom. Yes. How do we start that? The very core of mindfulness training is to not care what you think because your thoughts aren't real. It's just a computer throwing out data. It's not real. You could imagine a pink elephant in your backyard right now and I promise you there's no pink elephant in your backyard right now. Once I learned how this all worked, you know, you start going, you start getting emotionally free. What happens is you start getting so free and then you hit the end of the rope, which is going to be that one or two people that get you. And usually it's mom or dad or brother or sister. It's someone like that. And so you become emotionally free and then you have this one last hurdle. <laughs> and it's the hardest hurdle. Because this one person gets you. They trigger you.
But if you understand how the mind works, you can navigate it and you can see it and you watch it. And you start watching your mind like, like you would watch TV. That's the core of getting emotionally free is to not give power to your thoughts. The only time you really need to think is when you're solving a problem. Like there's a direct problem in front of you, right? The IRS wants to know why you're short. (laughs) (laughs) Now you got to think. You got a flat tire. Now you got to think. That's okay. That's when the mind works for you. But if you're just sitting there at a park and you're thinking about why doesn't she like me or, you know, why did this person want to quit or you're thinking about um, all this stuff, I mean, you're just wasting your time because there's really nothing happening. The birds are chirping. The grass is growing. There's nothing happening except the earth growing and moving. There's nothing happening. It's your mind tricking you. So that that's a, a very core understanding. It took a long time for me to just simplify that. And I'm grateful to be a, a, a decent enough teacher to be able to simplify things because it took me 10 years to figure this out. Is that very similar to Buddhism and non-attachment where the idea isn't to stop your thoughts, but to become, like you said, the observer of your thoughts? That's correct. Yeah, nobody has ever laid it out as beautiful as Gautama the Buddha. Nobody. Not in my search. And, you know... But if you wanted to study the Buddha, it would take you decades, decades. And so it's best to not study the Buddha because you're going to get caught in his rabbit hole, which is so deep and so profound. The quick and easy way to do it is to just ignore your thoughts. And when you have an emotion... To just accept it. Like, okay, I'm angry right now. It's okay. You're angry right now. It's no problem. Not a big deal. Cool. It's going to pass. You just do stuff like that and you start getting free. Quick. Someone could get free in a year or two. So when these negative emotions come up, is something that you tell yourself is this will pass? Kind of like the Bible verse, like this the shell to pass, whatever the phrase is. Yeah. Yeah, it'll pass. It's just an emotion. Yeah, it'll pass. And I do a lot of inner child work too. And I, you know, I teach clients inner child work because your inner child sort of represents your ego. And ego is a, a very misunderstood thing. And I think the inner child is more understandable. So what is an inner child? That's the part of you that complains and blames and becomes a victim 
and criticizes and wants approval, wants everyone to like them. You know, it's not far off from a four-year-old, five-year-old, right? And so it's best to get in touch with this inner child and be able to calm him or her down. And that's a fantastic way to start getting emotionally free because you're taking responsibility, you know? How do you get in touch with your inner child? Well, there's a meditation that I do called the inner child meditation. It's like 10, 15 minutes long. That helps to get in touch with the inner child. Uh, this is through a mindfulness practice called Ho'oponopono. And that's the practice that I use. And it's very much based on the inner child. And once you get in touch with it, you're... You know, it's a very important relationship. Who else but your own inner child to have the best relationship with? And I know for me, from experience, like, like I used to be very triggered when a woman would leave me or not want to be with me or whatever. And I had to realize that it was just something in my inner child, maybe from my girlfriend when I was 20. You know, we, we develop junk and baggage as we go through the journey. And so once I got in touch with my inner child and once I started working on this, now I'm free as a bird. They could leave all they want. Now I can have 10 women and then nine of them can leave. And I'm like, all right, bye. <laughs> it doesn't, um, it just, there's just such a freedom. There's such a freedom with not being dependent on people and not caring about their approval. The only approval I really want is my employees because I care about my business. So I want my, I want my, my team to respect me and believe in me as a leader. And so I nourish those relationships. But other than that, it, it really doesn't matter who approves of you, including mom and dad. Well, that's interesting because, so I'm very holistic, open-minded. I'm a holistic dentist. And when I hear your information on Instagram, I love it. But you post a lot about people who send you I don't want to say hate mail. It's not hate mail, but you're being criticized a lot. Has this mindfulness training helped you develop maybe a thicker skin against this online criticism? Yeah, I would say it's hate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. I don't want to say it. Fair enough. No, I've gotten death threats. I've gotten the whole nine yards, man. From Oh, my gosh. See, that blows my mind. Why would somebody send you a death threat when your entire goal is just to help people? Because I'm disrupting the system. And people see me growing. It's not stopping. It's a plant. It's a tree that keeps growing. So where is the Dr. Reese movement going to be a year from now? It's going to be a bigger tree. 
And then what about the year after that? It's going to be an even bigger tree. <laughs> it's growing. It's not stopping. It's not stagnant. And I think that scares people because I'm going up against the medical monopoly, as I call them, and I'm disrupting everything. Because there's not really anyone out there speaking out as in-depth as I am. And I think that that rubs people the wrong way. And then you add in the fact that I have a PhD. It's not a medical degree. And so people look at that as quackery. You know? To answer your question, yeah, the mindfulness training, thank goodness for it. Because they can't touch me. I'm, I'm pretty emotionally free. So all the hate mail, all the haters, debaters, all of it, it just, it doesn't penetrate. And, and you know what? Neither does the praise. Because I got, I got love too. So the people that love what I'm doing and are big supporters, you know, I say thank you, appreciate it. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful, but, you know, I'm not like, you know, jumping around in joy. It's best to stay even. It's best to have equanimity and not go too far high or low. It seems to go back to you're not seeking your audience's approval what you're truly seeking is to the truth. And I think that's why you're growing so rapidly because you kind of remind me of Jordan Peterson, if you know who that is, mm -hmm. where he speaks the truth. Yeah. People want him dead. People love him. But like you with health, you're just speaking the truth and you're not concerned really about how people feel about that. You're more concerned about getting the message out there, which I really appreciate. Yes. And that includes my team. Sometimes my team will be like, you know, don't wear a hood. Why are you wearing a hood? Don't wear a hood. It doesn't look professional. I'm, like, yeah. I'm, I'm really wearing a hood today. You know, I'm from Hartford, Connecticut. We wear hoods. Yeah. <laughs> it's nippy out. I'm wearing a hood. So, you know, I'm always trying to be authentic. That's the most important thing for me is to be authentic and to just speak the truth as I see it, as I know it, and deliver it in a way that is different than everyone else. In fact, the other day, it might even have been yesterday, you know, my time timeline gets screwed up sometimes. A woman DM'd me and she said, Dr. Reese, I love what you're doing. It's amazing. Your education, your knowledge, what you're saying is incredible. But, but you speak so slow. If you were just speak faster with more energy, you would have more followers and more believers. And I responded to her with a voice message. So I usually respond with voice messages. And I said, 
But if I did that, then I wouldn't be me. And it's important to realize, at least the people that want to realize, that I'm working on different levels. This isn't just health education. This is also mindfulness training. I'm bringing my audience through mindfulness training and they don't even know it. Just by speaking slowly with big pregnant pauses. And so it's not for everyone. So some people make fun of me. They say, why are you talking like that? You know, do you have a brain condition? Are you dumb? Like, what's wrong with you? I mean, you can go, especially on TikTok, which is very critical. If you go into the comments, you will see people saying, why does he talk like that? One guy did a, a stitch or duet or whatever they're called and said, I think he's playing a character. I'm not sure, but I think he's playing a character. But you see, they don't know the story which you just became familiar with, of spiritual awakenings, of going to the ashram, of meeting a man of higher consciousness, of going through the journey, of what happened to me in 2018. So if people knew the story, then they would understand a little more. But it doesn't matter if they understand. Because my job is just to keep making videos and keep breaking limited beliefs and keep getting those that want to receive a little bit of relaxation because we're lacking that. And if you watch the other health gurus, their videos are very energetic and very blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they're, it's all high powered. You know, everyone's in the one minute video era and they're like, I've got to get it in one minute. I'm giving a 30-second message in a 60-second time slot because I speak slowly most of the time. Yeah. Do you think if you told people your origin story, what happened in 2018, you'd be able to reach and help more people? No. No, okay. No, I, I mean, I've... A quite a bit of brainstorming went into this when I first started, when I first opened the clinic. And look, I could just as easily be just doing mindfulness. I could just as easily be the quote unquote spiritual guru. But the health information that I have, I feel is very, very important. So I chose that path. I chose to be Dr. Reese, the health practitioner. So there is spiritual guru undertones, but it's not, it's not, a, it's not smacking you in the face. Only those that are really, really in tune and paying attention will, will get it. And that's fine. They don't have to get it. They don't have to know my story. They don't have to know anything about me. Nothing. They don't have to know anything about me. 
Um, they just need to realize that they can reverse their health condition and we can do it and we can do it fast. And that's really what matters the most. Yeah. So who are some of your biggest critics? Is it medical doctors? Medical doctors are big. Yeah. I think a lot of the people that criticize me are people that are in the medical monopoly. They have a dis-ease and they were fed a bunch of hopelessness and they're looking at me as a quack that gives false hope. So it's the, it's the woman with endometriosis that's in suffering that is saying you're an idiot and you shouldn't even be allowed on social media. You know, you're practicing without a license, go to hell. <laughs> I, I get that. I, I had one woman just the other, uh, a few weeks ago, maybe, you know, I acknowledged her suffering and I said, I hope I will, I, I hope and pray that you get better. You know what her response was? Don't you ever pray for me. Die. Oh my God. Yeah. And that doesn't bother you. No. You have much more emotional stability than me. If somebody <laughs> reached out to me and told me to die, I'd think about it. It would bother me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Look, everyone is operating from their point of perception. And everyone is operating with a very wounded inner child. And they haven't put the work in yet. And so it's important to understand that and I, I understand that it's okay criticize me tell me to die it's fine it's no problem well what i appreciate about your perspective is you have not given in to cynicism and i just told my last podcast guest the same thing but if you're taking all this criticism and yet you still want to improve humanity you have extraordinary high levels of compassion that most humans don't have. Which is interesting because I don't really feel compassion. So it's one of those things where, I mean, that's the thing about emotional freedom, Vincent, is you, you tend to not feel as much. There's, I don't have high levels of empathy. When someone comes to me and they're like, you know, I'm suffering, my life is miserable, I don't feel it. But I know I can help. So it's practical. So I'm not the type to say, I'm so sorry, and they give them a hug. You know, I'm just like, all right, let's fix it. Let's fix it. But I'm not a big empathetic person. I'm not, I don't feel it. So I don't know if it's, you know, compassion or not. I, I, I don't know. I, I try not to analyze any of it. Sure. 
and I just go with the flow because I don't feel like I'm really in charge here. I mean, I can control little things like what's for lunch, you know, changing something in our program to make it better, you know, you can control these things. But the overall totality of the whole thing, I don't feel like I'm really in, in, in control. I didn't choose this. You know, it chose me. I, I was in radio. <laughs> I was on the radio talking about Kim Kardashian. Too. You know, I, I was trying to get interviews with um, 50 Cent. Nas. You know, I, I interviewed Old Dirty Bastard from the Wu-Tang. <laughs> I love that band. <laughs> Who can say that? <laughs> yeah, that's the world that I was in. And as far as I knew, that's the world I was going to be in for decades and decades. N nobody could have expected, including me, that I would get a doctorate and help people with their health. It just wasn't in the plan. So I, this is God's plan this is divine intervention, whatever term you want to use. I have no idea what's happening right now. <laughs> yeah. You say, hey, I want to interview. I say, okay, what time? When? All right. You know, I'm just going with the flow, man. Yeah. I got to push back a little bit. Um, I sense high empathy, high compassion. If you're, because you're not, not that selling real estate is bad, but you're not like in the stock market. You're not in a financial scheme. Your whole life is dedicated to improving people's lives. Just from my perspective, it seems that if you have such a thirst or motivation to improve other humans, I feel like your empathy is going to be through the roof. And I'm not telling you how you're feeling. Just from my perspective and from people I've talked to and showed your work to, because I have a lot of friends I talked to you about too, and they were like, wow, this guy just wants to help humanity. So we'll have to agree to disagree on your levels of empathy. But <laughs> I really think you're doing such good work. And I appreciate it. And I think I'm someone who has high empathy. And I think you do too. And maybe one day you'll think the same thing. Maybe. So, I, do, I do like hugging trees. <laughs> yes, that could be it. So we're coming up on the hour mark and I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. What is one takeaway you'd want the audience to have from this interview? The one takeaway would be life is a video game and you're a character in that video game and you're going to die any day now. And so you want to have the best life possible before you die and the game is over. And in order to do that, there is a hack. And that's to gain freedom in three categories, just three. Your health, your finances, and your emotions. If you master those three things, you will live an incredible life. And when you're on your deathbed, you will be pretty darn happy. That's really good. Wow. 
how can people find you? You're on Instagram, Dr. Reese. You're on TikTok. Where's your biggest following? TikTok is growing fast. They're the same content, though. Okay. I prefer Instagram, of course. TikTok don't like me very much, but it grows. <laughs> it grows. Yeah. So, yeah, Instagram at dr.reese, and I'm live every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern. And analyze people's conditions and stuff. And we're launching a YouTube soon, too. Peaceoverpain.com. Yeah, we're here. I mean, at this point, you can just type in Dr. Reese in any social media platform and find me. And then how do people work with you through social media too? Actually, we, we're, very, we're very selective in who we work with because we don't know if there's like Fed informants coming in. I mean, it's, it's That's wild. That's nuts. So – You know, we get we make people jump through hoops. <laughs> I don't know if any practitioner has ever done this in the history of practicing, but I'm doing it because I I want good quality people. So the best way to get involved is to one read my book, two show up on Tuesdays to the live streams, and three watch one or two of my webinars that have to do with your specific condition. Once you do those three things, then we want to potentially bring you in and have you be a client. We, we don't want people that don't do those things because they're just there with desperation. Right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, they got to act like they want it. You know, it's like dating, you know, it's like, you know, I don't want to get married right now. Like, let's let's date. Let's let's go on a few dates here. Let's figure it out. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's not just, you know, get the marriage license. Yeah. Well, you're in the perfect position of every healthcare provider because every doctor, dentist, PhD would rather pick their patients or clients than the other way where the clients pick them. Yeah. So, that's awesome. Yeah, we're not we're not desperate at all. We we turn people away all the time. I, I dude, I could be I could probably be a multimillionaire right now just off of initial consultations. Cause there's constantly people in my DMs saying, How do I book an appointment with you? So I could very easily give them my calendly, pick a date, give me five hundred bucks, and we'll do an hour, hour and a half consult. Well, what are they going to walk away with? Nothing. I can't help someone in an hour. Maybe with mindfulness a little bit, but what? they're not getting anything. So I'm more of a program guy. We want to bring people into a program and get them going like that. That's where the healing happens. Because then you can have a coach. Then you can have a curriculum. Then you can have everything that you need and you're on a moving train like you're in a school. And that's how the healing takes place. Not jumping from appointment to appointment to appointment to appointment. I don't see how that's going to help. It would make me a lot of money though. But I enjoy making money, but it's not 
it has to be the right way. It's the results that are going to matter the most. You know, like the woman I told you about with the frozen shoulder, who can now wash her hair where she couldn't before. That's what I'm talking about. That's that that can that happens in a program. And then you collect that testimonial. That video is priceless. It's priceless. And then that video goes back out into social media land. And then that inspires someone else with frozen shoulder. And that's how you start a fire from a spark. You're a good man, Dr. Kevin. Um, I cannot thank you enough for coming on. I got to have you back on for a part two. I won't keep you now. Um, thank you again. We'll have to end this podcast, but uh, I hope to stay in touch. Absolutely, man. DM me anytime or email thank me anytime. Thank you, Kevin. Talk to you soon. Thank you.